Well, I'm glad I heard some laughing with the uh, video because you're going to see it for the next five weeks. <laughs> You'll be able to know the script. Well, maybe God will change that, but I thought it was a really good one. Thank you so much again for coming today. And we do start a new series today entitled Family Life. And for the next five weeks, we're going to look at different aspects of family. Today, we're looking at Hannah's heart. It's dealing with um, the hurt and the pain sometimes that comes through life. And then next week, we're going to talk about living out the legacy. It's for our senior adults and for those of us who are a little bit longer in life. But really, it's about this. What story do you want to tell at the end of your life? Living out the legacy. Then on week number three, Brother Brent's going to be speaking uh, Memorial Day weekend. He's going to be speaking about how to parent your students, how to best help your students along the way. And then finally, I better get my notes about week number four. There we go. Leading the clan. We're on the first week in June. And we're talking about Jesus' leadership in the family. And lastly is choices. And we're going to talk about um, how to make good choices at the crisis moments of life, the junctures of crisis in life. How do we know how to make the best choices possible? But today is Hannah's heart. And we are really just pressed for time. I'm I'm aware of that. I'm going to be very conscious of your time today. But it's such an incredible message. Two people already have come up to me and spoke and said, hey, what about this? I say, listen to the message today. So take your Bibles and turn to 1 Samuel, Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 1. And we want to talk about an incredible story about a lady and how she dealt with pain and hurt in her life. Now, I need to give you the backstory while you're turning because it's very important. There's a guy, and he was a Levite, and his name was Elkanah. And Elkanah, um, again, as a priest and a member of the Levite family, he comes along and he marries Hannah. Hannah, by the way, means gracious one. Well, time goes on, and like some of you have experienced the hurt of life sometimes, Hannah could not conceive a child. And so Elkanah says, well, I know what we'll do. We'll just add another wife. And so Penina comes along. And so Penina gives him children. So you might want to pause right now real quickly and say, okay, 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 wait, wait, wait. Adam and Eve, one man, one woman. Where did this idea of multiple wives come along? And I'm glad you asked. The culture. The area where they lived in, God didn't sanction it, but the culture did. And so he and many others simply adapted to the culture and added another wife. Now, if you're a note taker, because this is kind of the overarching theme of our series, when, when God's people turn to culture for issues concerning family, it always goes south. And we do it a whole lot, guys. Now, now again, you know, Elkanah gained children, but his life and his family was almost wrecked because of that. And some of you know what I'm talking about today right now. Somewhere we, we as a, a people turn to culture for family solutions instead of God and our lives went south. There's broken homes, broken children, broken hearts, all things broken. And that's what happened. So Elkanah loved Hannah really the most. And so she would give, he would give her double portions of all the sacrificial meat and all that they would do. And, and then guess what Penina did? She got really jealous. And so she started riding Hannah like a horse. You can't have children. I can. You can't. You can't. And man, Hannah just became more and more deeply hurt. And so at the time for the annual sacrifice, you know, uh, Hannah goes up the family, like you guys live up for church, and go to Shiloh to do worship. And that's where we pick the story up. They get to Shiloh, and so Elkanah, the husband, 
does what we husbands do so well. He sticks his foot in his mouth. Can I have an amen from the ladies? Men don't get it. So here's the opening verse, men. This is how not to do married life. He says to Hannah, Why are you crying as if he didn't know? Why won't you eat? Because you see, men, don't we know this? Food is the answer for everything. You know, if you're in a crisis, eat. If you're stressed, eat. If you're happy, eat. There's nothing like fried chicken, mashed potatoes, green beans, and pecan pie to fix everything. So, so he looks at Hannah and says, well, why don't you eat? It fixes everything. Um, why are you so troubled? And then he says, the kingpin, he goes, am I not better to you than ten sons? And this is the point where Hannah gives him the look. Like, are you even on planet Earth? Guys, when your wives give you the look, it's time to pay attention. So after asking these four questions, why, why won't you eat, why won't you do this, am I not better to you than ten sons? Verse 9 transitions and says, so Hannah got up after they ate and drank at Shiloh. Eli the priest was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's tabernacle. So Hannah goes through life through the motions. And some of you in pain right now, some of you in pain right now are going through the motions. Someone asked you in the hallway, how are you doing? And you put on a smile. And your heart didn't feel like smiling because your heart's breaking in two. Some of you came to church today hoping to hear something that would help you today because your life is so painful and so hurting. You're going through the motions, but that's all it is. So she goes to church. And here's where the first point, and I don't do points anymore, but these I had to. What, what is the God response to pain? What is the, as a believer in Christ, as a God follower, what is a God, God response to pain? So, so the Bible says, in verse 9, Hannah got up, to, up after they ate and drank at Shiloh. Eli the priest was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's tabernacle. Deeply hurt, verse 10, deeply hurt Hannah. And let's pause there. What did Hannah do? Hannah, Hannah could have, okay, cursed God. Because see, we, hopefully I'll, I'll remember to say this later on, but we're going to find out that, that God's behind this. That God had closed up her womb. And we said, what? Why would God do that? Well, we've got to assume one thing. Either A, you know, God is like impotent. And that is, he's not powerful. He's a weak God. And so he couldn't even cause a woman to get fertile and pregnant. We could say that he's, he's harshly uh, omnipotent. That is, he's all powerful, but he's harsh in that. He really doesn't care about people. We, we could say that he's wisely omnipotent. In other words, he has a reason for everything he does. And we're going to see in the story, I think he had a very good reason for waiting for Hannah to get pregnant. So, so Hannah goes, and the Bible says she doesn't curse God. Um, she doesn't question and get frustrated with his, with his motives. And if you were here last week, she doesn't unfollow. She, she could have said, I'm done. I'm done with God. I'm done with worship. I'm done with Shiloh, Elkanah. If you want to go to church, go by yourself because I'm done. She doesn't. Look what she says. The Bible says that she prayed to the Lord and wept with many tears. Here's what she did. Making a vow, she pleaded, Lord of hosts, if you will take notice of your servant's affliction, remember and not forget me, and give your servant a son, I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and his hair will never be cut. Now, if you're a product of the 70s, you like that last part. 
I mean, my mom, listen, my mom and dad, the only time I ever heard my brother cuss was when he says, go get a blankety blank haircut. He was a preacher at the time. I mean, I was giving my mom a hard time. Dad had already died. I was giving my mom a hard time about hair and long length of my hair and says, you go get your hair cut. So if you're a 70s, you love that. But really, it's the Nazarite vow. He, she is saying, if you'll see fit to give me a child, I will dedicate this child to your service. I will give this child back to you, and he will follow the Nazarite vow. He will be a devoted follower of God. Now, let's pause here, because I think this is the important thing why God chose not to get pregnant before now. God had a plan. And may I sit looking at you and say this? God has a plan. And he had chose Hannah and Elkanah, Elkanah to come together and have a child. But not just any child. The child was going to be one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament. And that required a mother who was willing to turn the child loose. To give him back to the Lord. And so God, I believe, closed up Hannah's womb. Until finally her heart was ready to say, God, if you'll give him, I will give him. I wish it was always that easy to understand in your life and in my life. When things go south, when things seem hard, when God doesn't answer the prayer like we want him to. I wish we could, you know, have the big picture. We could look back 3,000 years and see the picture. I know we don't. But here's the deal. Hannah trusted God and surrendered. And the proper response, a God response to pain, is to have faith and surrender. Wherever you are, if you're a follower of Christ, if you are a God follower, God is saying to you as a person of faith, trust me. Trust me. Believe in me. And that's exactly what Hannah does. So a God response to pain is prayer. Now, I know. And by the way, did you notice something? I, I need to point this out real quick. She wept with many tears. This wasn't, this wasn't a woman who just got on her face before God and said, Hey, God, this is Hannah. Everything's going to be cool. I trust you. Everything's going to be great. She, her heart was hurting. She, she honestly came to God. In fact, later on it says, I, I've dealt with my resentments. She kind of did have a deal with God going on. But she simply surrendered and said, God... If it's your will that I get pregnant, I will give this son, this child, back to you. Pretty cool. So then we have this, a God response to pinheads. Now, you may not know what a pinhead is. I know what a pinhead is because of Bill O'Reilly. If you ever watched O'Reilly Factor on Fox News, that's where I picked the word up from. And just in case you're wondering, I researched the internet to make sure it wasn't a bad word. Okay? But a pinhead is someone who's dumb, stupid, doesn't get it. Okay, um, like a pinhead is small. This person's small in his thinking. Have you ever run into a pinhead before? Yeah, you probably have. So, so what is the God response to pinheads? Well, let's see what the Bible says. The Bible says, while she continued praying in the Lord's presence, Eli, the priest, watched her. Now, I thought this was pretty good. So here's a woman. I mean, we already heard she's sobbing. She's crying. She's praying silently. Her lips are moving. She's pouring her out to God. And here's the preacher over here. And he's going, mm-hmm. She obviously has got something going on besides God. Because we're going to see in just a moment that he's totally missed the point and thinks she's drunk. Let's read it. The Bible says, Hannah was praying silently. And through her, though her lips were moving, her voice could not be heard. Eli thought she was drunk. 
and scolded her. Can you imagine this? Well, yeah, you can because I've probably done it to you. And scolded her, how long are you going to be drunk? Get rid of that wine. I mean, how incredibly hurtful is that? So first, the husband doesn't get it, and now the preacher doesn't get it. So what is going to be her response to a pinhead? I mean, look, I checked it out. Every commentary said, Eli should have known better. The man of God should have known better. The man of God should have had perception. He simply missed it. He missed it because he was thinking small and not thinking big. So how do you respond to a person like that? How do you respond when you're going through a hurtful time in your life and someone's critical and painful? How, how do you respond to people when, 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 you, when someone's walking up to you at church and in their left hand or their right hand is a big rock and you know they're fixing to nail you? How, how do you do it when people say very insensitive things and the greatest pain of your life? Well, look what she says. She says, no, you pinhead. Does she? No. She says, no, my Lord. Hannah replied. How long? Hannah replied, I am a woman with a broken heart. I haven't had any wine or beer. She was a Baptist. I've been pouring out my heart before the Lord. Don't think of me as a wicked woman. I've been praying from the depth of my anguish and resentment. Now, there's one word that pops out to me. Respect. She almost, you almost say she had every right. And in that culture, the priest was to be highly respected, so she didn't have it right, right? But you almost, in our culture, she had every right to just go, what do you mean, dude? I mean, gosh, here I am, I'm really just like broken hard, and you come here and accuse me of being a drunk? What are you, a pinhead or something? But she didn't. She showed him respect. So let me ask you a question. Now, this is, this is something you take home today. You know, when you're paying, you pray. What do you do with a pinhead? Well, Paul, about a thousand years later, 800 years later, writes an incredible piece of scripture that tells us exactly what to do. In Romans chapter 12, in verse number 17 through 20, we read these words. Do not repay evil for evil. Try to do what is honorable in everyone's sight, if possible, on your part. Whose part? Whose part? On your part, live at peace with everyone. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for His, capital H, God's wrath. It is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For in so doing, you will be heaping fiery coals on his head. So what is a God response to pinheads, pray for them, you love them, and you don't strike back as they have struck you. Now, if you're not a Jesus follower, that makes no sense. Just like when Jesus said, turn the other cheek when someone slaps you, makes no sense. But I'm telling you, in the, wisdom of God, in the realm of God's wisdom, it makes all the sense in the world. Now, I know. There are people in this room, and you've been wounded, and you've been hurt. There are people who have stomped on your heart. There are people who have stomped on your emotions. There are people who have stomped on your family. There are people who have wrecked your world. Jesus, what do you want me to do? And he would tell you this. Love them. Why? Because I loved you. Because I loved you. See, people who have experienced love know how to love. 
People who have experienced forgiveness should know how to forgive. Forgive. So, here's what you need to do. When when the pinhead jumps on you and you want to respond another way, just remember this. That while we were yet sinners, even though we stomped on the cross, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't say get better. He didn't say earn forgiveness. He didn't say earn love. The Bible simply says that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world thing. The one we know from Sunday school. God so loved the world that he gave. Not that they got better. Not that they deserved it. Not that they were worthy of it. He simply loved. How much? He gave his son Jesus on the cross. And any person, any pinhead who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Now, you know the crazy part? It worked. Eli, this is the closest thing you probably get as an apology from a guy. Okay, but here's what he says. Eli responded, oh, he, that's my part. Oh, go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant the petition you requested from him. You, you could read 20 lines. Oh, I'm sorry. I totally misjudged you. I totally missed the point. Hey, I really hope that God gives you what you've prayed for. His heart changed. Now, let me ask you a question. If, if Hannah had responded in anger, would Eli have responded that way that he did? Go like this. He responded that way because he received kindness. He responded in kindness. It works, guys. It works. So the Bible says that, that Hannah went on her way and she ate and no longer looked despondent. How about that? Now, let me ask you a question. Did her attitude and countenance change because of what Eli said? He's the pinhead. I don't care what the pinhead said. Her heart, didn't, her heart and countenance did not change because what Eli said It changed because of her proper response to pain. She left a different person because God changed her heart through prayer. See, prayer doesn't change heaven. Prayer changes us. Let me say it again. Prayer doesn't change heaven. Heaven doesn't need changing. Have you figured out yet? He really is smarter than you. Prayer changes us. So she gets up and she's no longer despondent. She's a different woman. And that leads us to a God response to prayer. Now, check this out. The next morning, Elkanah and Hannah got up early to bow and worship before the Lord. Afterward, they returned home to Ramah. Then Elkanah was intimate with his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. Now, pause. Three things. After she had the proper address to prayer, with prayer to pain... One, her and her husband went to worship, how? Together. You see it? They worshiped together. They went home. Now, first off, what was, you know, how was Hannah responding to Elkanah before the prayer session? Why are you crying? Why are you eating? Why are you troubled? Aren't I better? You think she's going, I just love that man. I think she's probably going, I wish I could pinch his head off. Come on, ladies. Been there, done that? But notice after she has dealt with her pain through prayer, they worship together. They go home 
together. I can just see them here's hand in hand, and Panea, the third, the other wife, she's in the back. Her and Elkanah, we're, we're doing our thing. And then they knew each other. They were with each other. I'll let you figure out what that means. I want to leave that part out, but you've got to preach the whole counsel of the Word of God. But the bottom line is, here's what I want you to get. They did their part. They did their part. See, God is Dwayne again. Um, would you help me lose weight or be healthier? You know, God could go... And I woke up, you know, looking like Ryan Franks. Or God might say this. Okay, lay off the pecan pie. Get up and walk every day. And let's see what happens. See... God, there's a responsibility we have in God answering our prayers. God, help me live a long time. Well, you may try living a healthier lifestyle. God, help my marriage. You might choose, sir, to be a better husband or a better wife. Ma'am, help me be a better parent. You might look to God's word and say, God, how am I supposed to do this? They did their part. They worshiped together, they walked together, and they were together. They did their part. And it's really cool because the Bible says next, after some time. Do you see that? It wasn't like they were together one time and ta-da. I don't know how long it was. We don't know how long it was. But after some time, she conceived. Give, listen, give God a little bit of time in your life. Someone once said this. Give God as long straightening your life as you did messing up your life. If you took 10 years messing your life up, give God 10 years. Trust Him, though, that He's going to work in your life. So after some time, we don't know how long, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. And she named him Samuel, which means, by the way, name of God. Because she said, I request him from the Lord. Isn't this incredible? Now again, this is the hard part. I don't want this to be a story about, oh, I was infertile and I conceived. I want to be a part about a a person who, in his pain, prayed. In her pain, prayed. Trusted God. And then did whatever they could to be an answer to that prayer. Trusting God to do the part they could not. Whether it's forgiveness, anger, jealousy, drug habit, alcohol habit, bad marriage, bad parenting. We do what we can do and trust God to do the rest. So she has this child. And really verse 21, 22, and 23, really it's just, it's just a, a filling out of the story. It's a very important part though. So when Elkanah and all his household went up to make the annual sacrifice after Samuel was born and his vow offering to the Lord, Hannah did not go and explained to her husband, after the child is weaned, I'll take him to appear in the Lord's presence and to stay there permanently. Her husband Elkanah said, do, you, do what you think is best and stay here until you weaned him. May the Lord confirm your word. So Hannah stayed there and nursed her son until she weaned him. Now, what is all that about? Elkanah said, Hannah, it's time to go to Shiloh and remember what we promised. Do you remember what you said, Hannah? You said that if God gave you a son, that you would take it and give him to God. 
You remember that? Yes. She goes, yes, and I will. She says, I'll tell you what. You know, let me, let me wean him first. Now, that, by the way, incredibly, in that culture, about three years old. Long-time nurse child. Let, let me wean him first. And then when he's weaned, I'll take him. And Elkanah says this. Okay. You know, may God confirm what you said. But Hannah, remember something. You've made a promise. Many people make promises to God. Very few people keep promises to God. Aren't you glad that God doesn't keep promises like we keep promises? But Hannah's heart, I think Hannah's heart, because she had gone through the pain and understood prayer, because she experienced this, this guy, you know, Eli, the priest, the pinhead, and had responded correctly to him, she had learned. And I don't think there was one bit of doubt in Hannah's mind she was going to give that child back to God. I don't think it was an issue. I don't think she was wrestling in her heart. I honestly believe she said, Elkanah, you go on. Let me wean him first because he's awful young. And I'll give him back to the Lord. And you know what? She did. Look what the Bible says. This is the God response to parenting. So when she weaned him, she took him with her to Shiloh. As well as a three-year-old bull. I'm not sure there's any coalition between him being about three and the bull being three. I don't think there is. Half a bushel of flour and a jar of wine. And though the boy was still young, she took him to the Lord's house at Shiloh. Then they slaughtered the bull. They sacrificed the bull and brought the boy to Eli. Now, time out. Who was the pinhead guy? Eli. Who is she now going to trust her child to? How do you do that? Two words, sweet surrender. She said in her mind, if God can enable me to conceive a child, I just got to believe that God will take care of the child, even with an old guy named Eli. She just believed that God was able. Is that easy? I, again, I, I don't know if she wrestled with her emotions or not. I don't know if they're, you know, could you at least get a nurse to take care of him? But she brings him to Eli. And it, here's what she says. She says, now, please, my Lord, notice respect again. As sure as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this boy. And since the Lord gave me what I asked for, I now give the boy to the Lord for as long as he lives. How long? For as long as he lives, he is given to the Lord. How about that? Now, I know you can't, you can't, we were going to bring a three-year-old up here. That's the age of, of, you know, Ethan, three or four, somewhere in there. A little kid. And actually takes that little boy and says, okay, Eli, here, you are to raise him. Because I promised God I would give him. That would be incredibly difficult. But she reminds Eli, Eli, do you remember? I'm that woman who prayed. And this is the answer to my prayer. And I made a vow, I made a promise to God, I now give that child back to God. Now, having experienced the terrible twos, if you know what I mean, if you've got a two or three year old and they've you know, thrown the dog on the roof before, you kind of know that that can be difficult. But regardless, generally speaking, children are a gift to the Lord. That's what the Bible says. We won't be called... I know some of you might say, I want to do this, Dwayne. You would love sometimes to take your two-year-old and give them to the preacher. 
You raise him, I give up. You remember the great Bill Cosby series? You know, remember that? Bill Cosby show? He takes Theo down to the armor recruiter and they won't take him. I, I know there's times we want to give our children. We want to give our children to the grandparents. We want to give our children to the neighbor. We want to give our children to the church. Anybody but us. You won't be called upon to do that. God's probably not going to say, give, the, give your, my three-year-old, your three-year-old, to Dwayne and Judy to raise. That probably won't happen. Nor do I want it to happen. I did mine, we're done. I love the empty nest syndrome. But listen carefully. Are you listening to me? The wisest thing any parent can do is give their child to God. We've lost this. We are more enamored with education, and that's important. Their ability in sports, their ability in the fine arts. The most important thing is culture. The most important thing you can do is say, God, this child is yours. I give him to you to help me parent and raise him the way I should. That's a God response to parenting. You know, really, you understand that your child should not turn out to be what you want him to be. Your God, your child should turn out what God wants him or her to be. I really think we miss this. I think there's too many children who have grown up to be what their mom and dad wanted them, and they're miserable. And frankly, a lot of them are out of church. So I want to challenge you today as a parent to give a God response to parenting. And like Hannah gave Samuel up, that we give our children up to God. Now, if God was harsh and mean and cruel and inexperienced, that'd be some pretty bad advice, but but he's not. He's not. The most significant thing you can do for your child is to pray for them. That, God, would you take my child Anchor them in their own experience of grace and forgiveness. Anchor them in that. And then help them to grow to be exactly the child you want them to be. What if Hannah had said, Elkanah, I just can't do it. I know, I know what I promised, but I just can't. Do you understand that one of the greatest prophets ever to be wouldn't have been? That her closed womb was for a reason? Until her heart became ready to hear what God had to say. That she had to be willing to turn this child over to God. Because God had a plan. Did you know God has a plan for you and your children? God knew exactly what he was doing. And Samuel trying to be the great, one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament. So what's the bottom line? Well, it's the four points. I know that's probably, you know, Andy Stanley would say that's way too broad. Are you in pain today? That pain can either consume you and make you bitter, or through prayer you can be set free. The person that hurts you is right now at Cracker Barrel eating lunch and is not thinking about you. The person that hurts you is right now in their own world and they don't care about you. Allow God's grace to bring healing and easing of your pain. Has a pinhead come into your life? Has someone you want to pinch the pinhead's head off? 
Let's follow the, the words of Jesus. Let's follow the words of Paul. Do not exchange evil for evil. Are you, are you prepared today to have the right response to prayer? Are you willing to do? Now, by the way, there's an old saying that says, God helps those who help themselves. That is not what I'm saying. A lot of people think that's in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. And nor is it true. But there are things in prayer as we pray that God will enable us to do. They worshiped together, went home together, and they were together. And lastly, are you willing to keep the promise? Are you willing to trust God with the problem? Are you willing to trust God with the marriage? Are you willing to trust God with the situation? Parents, mamas, on your day, are you willing to trust God with your child? How do you do that, Dwayne? Faith. We were saved by faith, and we live by faith. And God is a God who can be trusted. Amen? Let's pray together. God, thank you very, very much for the privilege, privilege of sharing this word today. Father, I think about Hannah's heart. I think about her pain and her hurt. And God, again, it's not about, I refuse to limit it because I don't believe you limit it to just about being able to conceive a child. Father, whatever the situation is in our life that's causing us pain, we can trust you with that. Thank you for Mother's Day today because you used Mother's Day to gather a crowd of people that you foreordained to hear these words today. And I know, Father, parts of this message, I already know, I pray will speak into people's lives who are in a situation. For those in pain, may they be willing to pray. For those dealing with difficult people, give them your grace to forgive them. For those, Father, who have prayed and not received a response, help them, Father, do what you've asked them to do in prayer. And may every mom and every dad today surrender their child to you. Now, before I say amen, this morning, this is our decision time. I know it's a larger crowd today than normal. Simply want to ask you this. Brother Brent will be standing down front. If there's a decision you need to make today, it may be concerning following Jesus Christ, becoming a Christ follower. It may be you're in pain today and you need people to pray with you. It may be some decision that God has called you to. Perhaps you want to come to the conclusion today, I need to surrender my children to God. Dedicate them to God. The altar will be available today for all of that. This is a time of decision for you to do what God asks you to do. And so with those words, Jesus, I now ask your blessings on this invitation decision time. And Jesus, I pray in your precious name. Amen.